by Sports Interaction, Canada Sportsbook. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I would love to be talking about a Canucks win. My guests, Pete and I, were talking about how joyous it would be, how joyful we would be if we were talking about the first Canucks win of the season. But alas, the Canucks made it once again to extra time, but they fell to the Minnesota Wild by a score of 4-3 to in overtime. Now, I, I have a lot to say. I know my, my guest, Pete, has a lot to say. And uh, this, I'm very excited because this is my first time hosting solo, although I have a guest. But the first time I was on Game Over Vancouver, it was with my wonderful Vancouver co-host, Sam Chang and, and Kaya. And since then, Kaya's done two, Sam's done two. This is game number five. So now I guess it's my turn. So once again, thanks for joining me. I am Knut Clay, uh, Clay Emo out of Vancouver, BC. And you can find me on Twitter, on YouTube, at Knut Clay. So we're going to talk about tonight's game. We're going to talk about what this means for the Vancouver Canucks going forward. But before that, let me give some love to our sponsors. Want to bet? You can do it all at Sports Interaction Canada Sportsbook. Football continues. The World Series around the corner. And the Canucks season and hockey season has started. Brett P- bet pregame, live, in play, or on one of our many prop bets. Made for Canadians by Canadians. Sports Interaction makes it easy to deposit, play, and cash out. Join now and see all that sports betting has to offer. Head to sportsaction.com slash SDPN, Steve Dangle Podcast Network. Again, that's sportsaction.com, SDPN, Ontario only, 19 and over only. Please play responsibly. Okay. The Canucks tried to play responsibly, but we'll see what my guest has to say. So let's bring him in. I'd like to welcome Pete Edwards of the Canucks Speak Easy Podcast. Welcome, Pete. Hey, Clay, thanks for having me. I wish uh, the circumstances were a little different, but uh, again, thanks for having me on. Uh, my pleasure. I'm, you know, I was really excited once I got a chance to take over the mic and the camera for one of these. And I know that we had a recent collab and I really enjoyed talking with you. And I know that you'd, much like me, give some balanced uh, approach and balanced viewpoints on this team that we so badly want to win, but uh, obviously haven't enjoyed that yet. Before we get started, Pete, why don't you tell everyone a, a tiny bit about yourself quickly and where they can find you on social? Yeah, for sure. Um, I've been a Canucks fan pretty much my whole life. Uh, I co-host uh, the Canucks Speakeasy podcast. You can find uh, everywhere out there with uh, my buddy Doug Venn, who's also on Twitter. That's his handle. Uh, mine is Pete underscore gas, and you can find me chirping about all things Canucks and some music and other stuff thrown in there as well awesome no matter we get along no no matter we get along so why no wonder we get along so well is because canucks music two good looking guys little hair but uh even less after tonight's game so you're let's talk big picture your impressions on this game pete overall you know uh, it's it was a frustrating one i mean i thought this was our best effort full 60 effort i mean we were outshot in the third but up to that point i thought again we were the better team and i thought that they had a better finish than in other games but still just couldn't get it done um you know the fourth line was probably our best line tonight i thought pd and the russian line was really good but you know i think a lot of the other top nine forwards were a little quiet and i I don't know we haven't seen top level demco yet this year either and and that's a little concerning for me yeah so much to digest there pete and let's start with maybe it makes sense if we start with forwards go through the d then go through the goaltending we got injuries to talk about and the fact that they couldn't blow a lead and and 
a really rough overtime. So I agree that we haven't had a game yet where all four forward lines have clicked at the same time. And when you do that, this Canucks team can be good from an offensive standpoint. But you're right, today it was Neil Zaman, it was Curtis Lazar, and it was Dakota Joshua. And I think uh, Joshua in particular, Pete, as you know, he hasn't had the strongest start to the season. A lot of people were saying, why wasn't he benched instead of Garland last game? But today he came to play. He had a goal and an assist. Aman, Oman had a goal and assist. Lazar finished uh, also on that line. He didn't have any points, but he was obviously on the ice for those two goals. So I agree with you. A very, very strong game. I remember Neil Zaman was out there, four and four with, I don't know if you remember that, five minutes left, battling in, yeah. the, in the neutral zone. So if anything, at least a confidence builder for those three players. Yeah, and also Curtis Lazar with a couple of nice shot blocks yeah. out there, I thought. I thought he, and he was finishing some hits. This is something as well that the team hasn't done enough of in the first five games is is following through on hits and and kind of leading the play physically. Um, it, it's uh, It was good to see. I mean, I was one of those people for sure when they benched Connor Garland the other day. I was saying, why is Joshua still in the lineup? I wanted Garland to be back in there. And the same thing with Hoglander. So he proved me wrong. I'm quite happy to to say that. But you're right about the four lines. We haven't seen a game where all four lines go. And this is something I praised at the start of the year is saying, hey, we finally have a top nine and a checking unit. And we haven't really had a game where all three of those top lines were going. I mean, two of the three goals from the fourth line. Hey, that's great. Mm -hmm. But we need more production from the other lines. PD's line, as good as I thought it was tonight, they were held off the score sheet. Yeah. Um, I thought Horvat had a strong game, but you know, I would like to see Besser. Yeah, I know he picked up a helper, but I would like to see more of him in his return to Minnesota. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the Parison line's interesting. He did play between two Russians, but it wasn't Kuzmenko Mikheyev as he started the preseason with. It was actually Kuzmenko and Pod Colson because Mikheyev played up, I think, with with Garland and Miller. And then you had Horvat, Besser, and Pearson, kind of like that steady Eddie line. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, no, Petey, he looked good. You, you can tell he's trying, you know, came into the, this is, I guess, his first game where he hasn't scored a point because he had six and four coming into tonight. But yeah, I wouldn't fault their effort. Uh, Kuzmenko had a few chances as well. So I, not to worry about that line. You know, I loved Horvat started the the scoring, which he, he's been apt to do. But maybe um, we should spend a couple minutes talking about JT Miller. His big contract hasn't even set in yet. I'm not saying that we got to get rid of him or he's overpaid. It's way too early to say any of that. But I think we we both want to see more from JT Miller. Is that fair to say? It hasn't been the best of starts. He's got some points. I know uh, he was point a game or close to point a game going into this story. I think he had three points in the four games. I know what is concerning for a lot of people is his two-way game right now. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's being caught out there. I mean, we all know the streak he had to start the year where he was on the ice for the first eight goals against for the Canucks. Uh, that's the bigger concern. And yeah, his contract hasn't kicked in. Look, Vancouver fans... We have a tough time at times differentiating between the player and the contract, and that's that's really the reality of the salary cap era. But it is fair to say that through five games, through this road trip, we haven't seen the JT Miller that we saw really dominate the past two, two and a half years with Vancouver. And I'm not really sure what that is, but I, it's, it's also unfair really to point the finger at just one guy and say, hey, this is the guy. But I do believe Miller deserves some criticism for his two-way game right now. But he also, if he was putting up a ton of points, people I think would look the other way. If he was, you know, if he had five or six points like Petey did through this road trip, I think people would give him a, a little more slack. But he just hasn't quite had it so far to start the year. Let's move to the blue line, Pete. And we knew that Tucker Pullman did not start the game. So he played the first 
two games of the year, sat out game three after leaving game two early, came back for game four and did not play today. So then you, it wasn't Jack Rathbone time yet, as much as I think both of us want that. It was Burles and Stillman making up the third pairing. They did not look good on that first Minnesota goal. And then Stillman, unfortunately, where there's a combination of the fight or that elbow shoulder to the head from Erickson Eck, he only played six minutes. So now you're playing the last game of a five-game road trip to start the season, not playing well, and now you're down to only five defensemen. How do you think they did considering all of those things? 28 minutes for Hughes, 25 minutes for OEL. Uh, That's a lot for game five of the season. You know, you can't be relying on that. Um, It's very frustrating for me to, to see Rathbone not play yet. I mean... This is a guy I've always been a big fan of. I know we've talked about it before that uh, he's a kid that we really like and he's got some great puck moving potential. He's not a very physical guy, but he's someone who I think now has to get a look, especially coming home. I know Noah Yulson jumped in and over him for that one game. Uh, I think the guys on the ice, though, uh, they were they were all right tonight. Um, Burroughs, I felt like, got hit more than he threw his body weight around, and that's something that we've kind of known Kyle Burroughs for. I thought Luke Shen had a pretty solid game uh, back there. Myers, of course, did, was involved in the overtime goal, unfortunately. Uh, Hughes was, was all right, but I, I'm hoping now, you know, we still don't have Dermott back either. I mean, this blue line has taken uh, a bunch of hits to start the year. I'm really hoping that we get Rath bone in on saturday against buffalo yeah i kind of wonder if uh, we both like rathbone a lot and is it is it to a point where you want to save him for a home game so you can shelter his minutes and and control the matchups a little bit is it simply they told him right from the start hey we're gonna let these guys play we want to see what we have in in stillman and burrows that that doesn't explain the jewel sin although the righty the righty lefty i guess it does a little bit but maybe they simply told rathbone at the start of this trip pete or halfway through Hang, hang tight. Uh, you will be playing against Buffalo and Carolina. Is that perhaps the case? It's possible, Clay, but I, I don't know. I think the the matchup thing. I think that's certainly valid. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a that's a very valid point about wanting to play matchups when you have a a, a rookie, young, uh, inexperienced defenseman on an injury riddled blue line. I think that could be a part of it. Um, I just think if you knew though that you weren't going to play him there, like why not? Why even bring him on the road trip? Uh, yeah, like, I, why, why not have him go to Abbotsford for a bit? And why not bring call up uh, Will Landon or Yulson and have them go on the road trip instead? Um, it's curious to me, but if we don't see Rathbone soon, uh, I really hope they send him down to Abbotsford just to at least get some games in. No, I agree with you there. And when you look at the three goals, and we'll talk about the overtime in a second. When you look at the three goals, uh, the Zuccarello one, we kind of hinted at. It was uh, a poor defensive coverage by the two. I can't refresh me. I can't even remember the, the Sam Steele goal at the end of the first. Do you? Uh, a little bit. It was, uh, I was, to be honest, I was kind of cooking and, you know, <laughs> looking at the screen at the same time. And uh, there's just a whole bunch of uh, cluster and a bit of a mess around around the net there. Um yeah, I mean, again, I don't think uh, Demko had his best of games. Yeah. Um, I've always been a big Matt Zuccarello fan. Uh, he's on my hockey pool team this year as well. So, hey, that's my silver lining. Um, but, I mean, the Minnesota forwards, uh, those guys, I mean, especially Kaprizov and Zuccarello, uh, mm-hmm. extremely talented. Um, but uh, still, I I think that uh, it was a bit of a bit of a soft goal. I feel like Demko every game has kind of had that one goal that, he should have stopped and that was the difference last year is Demko was probably stopping at least a couple of games that were going that from going in and so if Demko's not on his game and you have an injury riddled blue line 
it really makes the team's defense look bad, but really it's not just on the blue line. This is on the, the forwards to a game and the goaltenders as well. Um, it not just on the, the blue line, although I know that's where a lot of Canucks fans place the concern. And yeah, great point. Especially when you look at the third goal, the tying goal, which made you say, Oh no, this is happening again. I even in my tweet, my son, Sean, pretty smart, Pete. He's basically said, if the Canucks win, you should tweet out uh, dad next gen is better than, um, ex- oh, ne- next gen energy greater than Excel energy. I thought that was pretty good, right? If that, <laughs> it, but uh, I even still have it in my drafts. Thank God I didn't press it by accident. So then we get to the power play goal for Minnesota, and yes, Myers stick breaks. Horvat does the right thing, although now Myers already is playing with Horvat's left-handed stick in his left hand. Actually deflects one puck, but obviously didn't have enough juice on it. And then a really, really smart play down to your guy, Zuccarello, who, I don't know, maybe, of course, Demko's trying to figure out where all four guys are, or all five guys are, but unfortunately he let that one in, which which was too bad. And that is a set play by Minnesota. They actually tried that play earlier in the game mm. uh, with Kaprizov in that spot instead of Zuccarello. They, that's something they like to do is do the uh, shot off the net deflection and try and get it in on the blocker side. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it, it was, geez, that was one. You just kind of, you kind of felt that one coming a bit, didn't you? Yes. It was, uh, it was, it, that was, oh, man, that was, that was tough. <laughs> then we get to overtime and, uh, we lose the opening faceoff, fine. Not not too many crazy chances. And then, oh gosh, it was Miller, Besser, and Myers. And they get pinned in their own end. I remember Miller had one chance to get it when, and I get it, things are happening fast. You're tired, but uh, you might remember that he was on the far boards. And instead of, it was a long to, yeah, instead of just trying to poke it over the line, he kind of tried mm-hmm. to freeze it. And that's, I think, led to the Myers trip on, on someone behind the net, which then led to four and three. And as soon as they said Kaprizov back on the ice, Pete, the guy is just too good. He's too skilled. He's too shifty. And he simply um, outweighed the Canucks, and it became a comedy of errors. Uh, a good save by Demko, but he's twisting three guys in the crease. And Kaprizov just had to make a really smart play and, and put it in the short side there. Too much, too much open ice for him. And, yeah. and going back to the tying goal as well, yep. I was, I, I'm, um, I'm one of those guys. I knew I had something else to say about that, and it just came into my head. Um, I'm one of those guys who, if it's not the second period, if it's the short change, I, I'm in favor of guys, if they break their stick, taking a gamble and going to the bench mm. and, and grabbing it. You know, having a guy at the end of the bench hand the stick over, you're out of play for a little bit, but it's overall it's less time than instead of it really becoming like a, a five on three. I'm, I'm all for taking that gamble personally, not in the second period on the long change, but when you get the short changes, uh, I'm okay with that. And then in overtime, yeah, I mean, that uh, it was Miller and Besser, I think, were yes. the two forwards that have been out there for a long time and you could tell that they were they were gassed and this is something that has happened to the Canucks in overtime in three on three a lot over the last season and a bit is forwards get caught on a really long shift the other team cycles brings it back out in the neutral zone keeps cycling replaces guys a couple times and then the the bodies on the ice are are tired and I kind of felt like when I saw that penalty is like and Kaprizov comes out I'm like oh geez like it, it kind of all happened in slow motion Wow. Okay. So I, I think we've kind of actually the last thing let's talk about uh, really quickly is perhaps the Canucks lost another player to injury. We referenced it already in Stillman. Maybe this, if Pullman can't go, although Pullman's right, Stillman's left, maybe this is another way to open the door for Jack Rathbone starting at home. Yeah. And, and again, I think, um, I'm, I'm curious if we put more weight in the left and right thing, uh, shot than a lot of other teams do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
and, and it's, it, I think you got to put the best six. I, I think it's regardless, it's Rathbone's time to come in right now. I mean, what, what do you got to lose? You haven't won yet. Uh, yeah. Let's let's see what a, a, another defenseman who plays a different style can do out there. And, uh, I, you know, I also think uh, Travis Dermott is a guy with, that we missed back there. I thought he was overall kind of quietly solid down the stretch with the, the Canucks. And uh, we need we need a little bit more of that right now. Look, when if, if other teams are looking at it on paper and you see Kyle Burroughs and Riley Stillman <laughs> as your bottom pairing, um, that's, a, that's a tough spot for the Canucks to be you're, in. You know, you're right, Pete. They're licking their chops for sure. We're going to take a very quick break. I And just as we gather our thoughts and get uh, ready for our second segment, just want to invite you to follow Pete on Twitter. He's Pete underscore gas. Is that correct? That is correct. And the Canucks Speakeasy Twitter account is what? At Canucks Speak. All right. So follow Pete underscore gas and Canucks Speak on Twitter. For me, I'm Canuck Clay. You can also subscribe to my own channel here on YouTube. I stream every night at 11, 11 p.m. Pacific. So that might be a little late for some of you across the country. But more importantly, subscribe to SDPN, the Sports uh, Steve Dangle Podcast Network. Subscribe to this channel on YouTube so you can catch up on all the Game Over Vancouver streams. You Also, all the other great videos and great content that this channel puts out. And like this video. Like You're not liking the... I always say this on my own streams. You're not liking the fact that the Canucks lost. I've been saying that for a week now, Pete. You're not liking the fact <laughs> that the Canucks lost, but you're liking the fact that we are together and we're actually building community. We actually have a chance to come. You can call it a counseling session or whatever it may be, but at least we are the, uh, together. There's strength in numbers and misery loves company. Whatever old adage you want to throw in. Okay, Pete, let's put these five games behind us, please. We come back 0-3-2. Oh, 0-3-2. San Jose won today. Minnesota just beat us. So sadly, we're the only team in the league now without a win. What kind? This is what I want to talk about for the next five minutes. What kind of reception do you think the team's going to get on Saturday night when it's their home opener against the Buffalo Sabres? I think it's still going to be a good reception. I mean, there's there's always excitement for the home opener. Um, I think, you know, the crowd will be loud. They'll, be, they'll have the good intro. I think that, that Saturday night, uh, I think the fans will be into it. What I do think, though, is that if things go sideways in that game, the crowd could turn on them very quickly. We, we know Vancouver fans could do that. Um, but I do think they're going to come out to cheers. But there's just going to be a lot of people kind of being like, you know, just like keeping an eye on things and just seeing how it goes. Um, I mean, I'll always cheer the guys on. I mean, yeah. the other way you can look at it is hey, the Canucks now have points in back-to-back -back games. I mean, that's uh, that's something at least, right? Um, but I do think they'll get a good reception. Uh, I just think having two off days before that game in this market, um, it's it's going to be there's going to be a lot of chatter out there. It's going to be uh, it's going to be tough for this fan base leading up to it. Yeah, I agree with you. There's going to be in the Canucks game presentation. They do a good job, and I don't say that just because I I know a lot. Well, a lot of the people they do a good job there's going to be hype around this team they'll do something cool for the player intros i'm sure they'll they'll knock it out of the park with their pre-game video you're right pete all of those things but then it comes time to drop the puck and i i agree with you there's gonna be the shortest least leash possible i think with this team and i i i i was in the arena that night pete when we lost to the Pittsburgh Penguins and the guy ran down and threw his jersey on the ice and their yeah. fire bending chance and people were booing on the you were there as well yeah, was yeah. Wasn't that a weird feeling? It was. Uh, it was a weird 
feeling that one. And that, um, to put it in context as well, uh, that was about a week after American Thanksgiving. And a yeah. lot of times you always hear in hockey, American Thanksgiving, that's kind of, you know, around the 20 game mark. And that's when you, you kind of know where you're at. And we saw how the team went after that. Uh, they played great. They played at a over a hundred point pace, but they could never recover from that. And yes. that's something else to, to kind of keep an eye on now is I don't think they'd wait that long, but that feeling of seeing the Jersey on the ice. I mean, geez, that's, that's never good. You know, you've, you've seen it in Edmonton and Toronto in the past. It's something that uh, Canadian markets have been known to do. I know it happened in Montreal in the past too. And it's just, it's a, it's one of the ultimate signs of, of, of disrespect or just, or just frustration from the fans. Um, I don't think we're at that point yet. Um, however, uh, see, you, you never know with Canucks fans. You know, that's such a good point about Canadian, other Canadian fans feeling what we're feeling. Cause uh, Andrew who runs, helps run all the, these streams. He's in the chat right now and he says, Andrew here, solidarity with Canucks fans right now. I remember how starting the year doing game over with a record like this is. And yeah, Andrew and I were talking through them through some things earlier today. And he mentioned that when he started this for the Montreal side last year, they had like two wins in the first 12 games. So um, yeah. I'm not sure if it took them over five to get their first one, but that's pain. That's pain. And it, it tests your will and your mettle as a content creator. <laughs> Well, just, uh, you know, like uh, like you, uh, I, I always call myself like a glass half full fan. Yeah. I always try and like, I mean, I look at sports as entertainment, right? I, and I didn't always used to be like this. I used to certainly let it affect my mood yeah. one way or another. I mean, but right now it's just like, you know, I'm, I'm watching a show just like anything else. But we're kind of in that part of the series right now or the show where things are all going sideways. And you're like, oh, man, I can't wait till they pull out of this. And. I mean, when they pull out of this, who knows? But uh, right now, it's just one of those bits where, you know, we do the segment on our podcast called The Game Flight, where we just do a quick little, like, 15-second recap of each game. Uh, and it was it was four losses for on the last episode. You know, oh. that's tough to do, right? Like, um, but I do think... Uh, it's 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 going to be really tough uh, in the market leading up to this game against Buffalo, uh, and the fans are you know they have so much ammo right now for the team like the only team without a a, a win yeah. uh, not getting a win on this five game road trip the promise of starting the season better uh, but not um, yeah. it's it there's a lot that they got to answer for and uh, we'll see if coming home can change the tide a little bit okay so I'll ask you one more question Pete before we head into our final segment. And I love what you say about being glass half full. You know, I'm the self-proclaimed founder. You know what's coming of the GLCPC, the good looking Canucks positivity club for obvious reasons. So I will not get truly, it's about perspective. It's not getting too high with the highs, not getting too low with the lows, but I love to celebrate a high once in a while in the next week. So we got Buffalo on Saturday, Carolina on Monday, then a quick trip to Seattle on Thursday and then back to Vancouver for Friday against the Penguins. So you could argue, you know, Carolina and Pittsburgh, tough teams, Seattle and Buffalo. Seattle, not that great, but Buffalo has started out okay. If the Canucks, God forbid, only win one or, or zero of these games, what, uh, without getting too speculative, what do you think would happen first? A, a shakeup on the ice or a shakeup off the ice? I mean, I'm just purely guessing um, because we don't know what is actually going on with the team is inside the locker room behind the bench. I mean, Bruce Boudreaux has shown that he can take this pretty much this group of guys and 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 go with it and, yeah. and get results from them. And Trader Jim is Trader Jim for a reason. I think if things don't go as planned, I think a trade would uh, would be the first step. And uh, after that, you know, then you're looking at 
more trades or coaching changes, I think. But, you know, I don't I don't want to go too down that far down that rabbit yeah, hole, yeah. but I do think uh, the leash is going to continue to get shorter and tighter until the team is able to rattle off a couple wins. Um, but I think even if it's just, uh, you know, sending a message trade, you know, not a major trade, even just like a body out, body in kind of move. Mm -hmm. um, I think that would probably be the first thing, just given Boudreaux's and Alvin's and Rutherford's track records. Yeah, I agree. And it's, uh, you know, a lot of people were saying back in the summer, why didn't you extend Bruce? Why didn't you extend Bruce? None of us would expect an 0-3 and 2 start, but this is probably why they didn't extend Bruce. They wanted to see what they had in him, give him a full year for better, or for worse. And uh mm -hmm. Let's see if you can work this team out of it. So there's so there are almost a hundred of you in here. They're just awesome. What I love to do with Pete for the last five or six minutes, something I like to do on my own streams is answer some of your questions because you guys are here. You guys are obviously passionate fans as well. I, we obviously don't have time to get to all of them, but we'll highlight two or three. So start typing your questions in the chat. I will rattle, rattle them off and Pete and I will do our best to give it a quick answer. So, and while you're doing that, don't forget to like this video and subscribe to SDPN. While you're at it, we'll take a two second break. We don't have to do a read or a, a crazy video, but I think I got to do something with, with the audio after uh, we're done here. So we're going to be quiet for two seconds. Okay. So I thank you, Pete. You're good. You're good at that. Let's see what they're saying in the chat. Yes. As Robert, one of our awesome moderators and, and admin people are saying, put some questions in the chat. Um, some people talk about wasps in their, in their, uh, in their apartment, which is pretty scary. Um, but yeah, score prediction for, oh, there we go. Lindsay says, uh, if you had to pick, who would be the first connect to be traded? Are we talking about like a big ticket guy or maybe some, not window dressing, but someone around the edges? I think it'd be more someone around the edges, but I, I don't know. I think um, you look at, who the Canucks could trade. And there's a lot of arguments. I mean, Besser and Horvat are the first uh, big names that come up. Yeah. Um, but would it be someone like that? I don't know. I mean, it, it could be a, another part. Uh, I'm, I'm purely just guessing Niels Hoglander could be mm -hmm. uh, a piece that they could maybe move uh, for something else. Yeah. Um, pure speculation on my part, you would know that ideally they would love to move a forward to get a right side defenseman. Yeah. We all know that right side defensemen are not easy to come by. Yeah. Um, if I had to guess on a minor shakeup, Niels Hoglander, if I was to guess on a major shakeup, uh, Brock Besser. Yep, I'm, I'm with you on the Besser or Garland thing. And then, and I guess you know this too, with the minor shakeups, like you're not really doing much because you're not going to get much back. Yeah, Di Pietro, what, what's, what's he going to fetch you? Even Hoglander, he's not going to fetch you much. It might be a simple thing of, of doing something for the sake of doing something. Uh, great question, says, what's your score prediction for Saturday? I'll go first on this one, Pete. I always predict Canucks 4-2 from the start of the season until they actually do it. So, for the sixth straight game, my score prediction <laughs> on Saturday will be Vancouver 4, Buffalo 2. What says you? Oh, man. You know, what's funny is uh, on the podcast uh, that we released last night, I said Canucks were going to win this one 4-2. to two. <laughs> uh, So I'm going to one-up you. Yeah, I'm going to go 5-3 Canucks. I love it. I love it. Um, so I guess that answers another question from, uh, from Aiden. says, when do you think the Canucks will get their first win? So are we both going on a limb, even though we did so today. <laughs> yes. Well, eventually we got to get it right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, uh, you yeah. know, you flip a coin uh, every time you just call the same thing. You're eventually going to get it right. Uh, look, I do think coming home um, against Buffalo, uh, I'm not sure if Buffalo's on a road trip or uh, exactly what they're up to right now, mm -hmm. but you know, East coast team coming into uh, West coast building hockey night in Canada. 
uh, when the Canucks can come home and be here for a couple of days, uh, I think there's going to be a fire under them to, to play. Um, I think the Canucks will win against Buffalo. Okay, I'm with you. Uh, Robert says, is Mikheyev all that you respected? Now, I guess the, the tricky part is this is only a second full game. One thing I did notice out there, Pete, the guy's huge. Like mm-hmm. I, We've been hearing about how fast he is and we see how good of a skater he is, but he's a big guy too. That's something I've noticed. I haven't seen much in the way of offensive flair from him. Um, I have really noticed him, especially just streaking down the wing, and he has been physical. I could see why management likes him. He's the kind of guy, to me, who, if you can get this team to the playoffs, I think that's one of those guys who is more of an X factor. But you're right. We uh, He had a shortened uh, training camp, shortened preseason. Um, I don't think we're seeing full steam Mikheyev yet. Uh, and in the way of Canucks fans measuring things, he hasn't played up to his contract yet, but it's yeah. only been a couple of games. Cool. Let's go with two more questions, Pete. The first one is um, from Justin. I just lost it here. It was a good one, too. It says this. Why are the Canucks so mentally fragile so far? It's the same group of guys pretty much as last season. When they have a lead, the entire team is playing like they know something bad will happen. That's a great question. Uh, That's the million-dollar question. Uh, I really don't know. I felt like uh, last year Boudreaux was kind of the calming factor with this team. I thought he was able to take a group that was in disarray and plug them in. And I don't know if their own expectations are changed or uh, I, I really don't know. I don't want to speculate about what's going on in the locker room or within the team. If anything is um, I just think overall right now, they're missing a few parts. Yeah. Uh, some of their systems are disjointed. I think maybe other teams have scouted them a little better than the Canucks have scouted other teams. Um, and we're not getting uh, a grade a Demco right now. And this team with the blue line they have, they need a, a grade a Demco all the time. Yeah. You add up um, Demco's being okay. Not great. Mm-hmm. You add up poor special teams, although getting a little better, but not by much. Yes. You add in poor team defense. We're not just putting it on the back six guys. It's the uh, entire team, but yeah, you're looking at your chops. As you mentioned a few minutes ago, when you're the opposing team and you see um, some combination of Pullman who wasn't there tonight, Stillman, Juleson, Burles, I would say even Rathbone, as much as we love him, he's very unproven so far. So after Hughes, OEL, and maybe Shen and, and Myers, it drops off pretty quickly. Okay, we got one last question here from Seattle's Thoughts on the management of the minutes of Quinn Hughes. He looks tired and fatigued on a lot of his shifts. Remember, he missed the first, well, he was ready for the opener, but he missed a few practices leading up to it with a bad case of the flu. Is it possible that he's never completely recovered? He's also going into this game, even though he logged over 28 minutes today, going into this game, he was logging just over 27. He's We've known him to play a lot. He seems to want to take a lot. He covers a lot of distance while he's out there. Um, I think it's more that what I've noticed from Hughes is uh, he's. I think he's been fantastic with ke- getting the puck from blue line to blue line, carrying it through the neutral zone. Mm. I often find, though, once he gets in there, he's pushed out to the boards and towards the hash marks, and he generally has to stop and almost take a second or two to kind of see where everyone else is on the ice. And mm. I think that's kind of slowing down the rush a little bit more. And if you do that and he plays it or he has nowhere to play it to and it gets, it gets picked off or a forward makes an errant pass – He's got more ground and more speed to have to cover to get back up the ice. And of course, that expends more energy. And when you got the guy who's last year logged the most minutes on the team again, doing it this year, I think that's more uh, of a part of it than anything else. I think it's I think he's doing a great job with uh, doing zone entries and gaining the zone. Um, I do feel like uh, the team around him 
isn't able to read what he does because I think he's a very kind of think on his feet uh, player. It looks yeah. uh, and and I I don't think necessarily that the team knows what he's going to do with it. And uh, you know, you go full speed, stop, and then you got to go full speed the other way. That's yeah. a bag skate right there. Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, and I think he feels all those things you said, Pete. I agree, and I think he feels like. He has to do so much. You look at the the other five, the other four defensemen, the young defensemen that we always group them with: the Kel McCars, the Adam Foxes, the Miro Heiskanen's, and the Rasmus Dahlin. Dahlin's actually started this year really well. Mm-hmm. All those guys, you'd say they have a better supporting cast. Of course, McCarr does, Fox does. They're better teams, so they they are so good because they also don't have to do everything, which I feel Quinn Hughes feels like he may have to do here. Which again. Jack Rathbone, going back to him, uh, people call him Quinn Hughes Light. If Rathbone can also enter that way, the team can start thinking about, hey, this is the way, instead of just having those 27 minutes a game or so where Hughes is on the ice, chuck in another 15 or so, maybe you have 40 of the 60 minutes in, you've got either Rathbone or Hughes on the ice, and that's the way they're breaking out. Maybe it can breed a little more consistency with uh, zone entries. There you go. And la- last question for sure, because it's a good question. I want to answer it. I'll, I'll take care of this one. Darren says, hi, Clay. Can you tell me which game, uh, which Canucks have a no trade clause in the contract and which players do not have one? Well, really quickly, I'm just looking up. We have, Mikheyev has a no trade. Pearson has a modified no trade. So both of those, Mikheyev and Pearson have modified no trade. And then on the blue line, Ekman Larson has a no movement. And Tyler Myers has a modified no trade. And then Michael Furlan has one as well, but he hasn't played for three years. And JT Miller will have, I think he's got a no movement or no in for the first few years of his. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe it's the first four years of his uh, new deal. He does, and then he has a 15-team no-trade after that. Perfect. So I I wonder if uh, if our friend uh, there is – was it Darren? Was it Daryl? I I want to say the right name. I wonder if he's already looking at guys that potentially the Canucks could move on from. Wow. So much – it was Darren. Thank you. So much to digest. That 40 minutes flew by. I know that because my Zoom meeting is about to end, uh, Pete. So uh, thank you so – Leave leave us with some hope, man. Leave us with some positivity, some optimism for Saturday. What? Give me one key to the game for Saturday for the Canucks to win 5-3, as you said. Crowd be into it. Yeah. Don't turn on the team. Um, I want to say strong start, but I don't think that's it. Uh, I really think the key is um, a great A game from Thatcher Demko. Awesome, awesome. Pete, one more time, where can people follow you? And then what I'll, do, I'll say bye to you, and then I'll wrap things up so you don't have to wait for the end. So where can people follow you, Pete, and what you're doing? Uh, find us on Twitter. I'm at Pete underscore gas. Our podcast is at Canuck speak and uh, the podcast is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. Awesome. Well, let's give Pete Edwards some love in the chat. Thanks for coming on and for speaking 40 minutes. So eloquently, despite, uh, both of us wanting to pull out the very little hair that we have left. So, uh, make sure you follow Pete, follow his uh, podcast, and I'm sure I will get him on again as the season goes. Pete, once again, thanks a lot. And we'll talk to you soon. You bet, Clay. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Okay, friends, that was Pete Edwards of Canucks Speak Easy. Make sure you go check him out on Twitter. And yeah, great bunch of guys there, him and Doug. Uh, I think I called him Douglas like 20 times on the podcast, but they, they forgave me. But uh, wonderful guys doing some really good work. As for me, I, uh, I'm hoping the Canucks do some wonderful work this Saturday. I know I'm getting tired of talking about losses. I know you are getting tired of watching losses, but never, ever get tired of watching the postgame streams here on sdpn so before you go make sure you like the video make sure you're subscribed hit the bell so you get notified of whenever we are going live and yeah i'm not at the game on saturday i'm actually working on saturday 
Then I'm going to the Carolina game on Monday. And then my next, I think the next one that I'm doing for Game Over Vancouver will be a week from tonight. Maybe I'm the Thursday guy, but I'll be doing the game Vancouver in Seattle next Thursday. But until then, you're in Capable Hands with Samantha, with Kaya, and hopefully we're talking about Canucks wins in the next two games. So once again, thanks for watching tonight. Canucks fans, keep your head up. It can only go up, literally, it can only go up from here. And let's celebrate like heck when the Canucks get their first win of the season. So thanks for being here. Make sure you like, subscribe, do all that good stuff, and we'll see you soon. Take care and go Canucks go.